Now the, the question is, why do, why do people read Megillat Ruth? Why is it the custom to read the Book of Ruth on, on this festival of Shavuot? So, and who wrote the Book of Ruth? So we're told that the prophet Samuel wrote it. And the reason it was instituted was because King David was born and died on Shavuot, on this holiday. And this, because he was born and died, this holiday is associated with him. And this book is about his ancestry. Now you would think of a king, and, and Samuel was the prophet who anointed David. So Samuel writes this story sort of as a legacy for King David. You could think of a lot of better stories to tell, you know. When in, in the rest of the world, when someone becomes king, we write a story of how they, they were born from the gods. And uh, here you're going to tell a story that's uh, a little rough to hear. And, but it's telling the history of, of King David. We, we begin the book and it says, It was during the time of the judges judging. So this is the period of the Shoftim, of the judges. So we have the period of, of uh, the, we, the, the people left Egypt, traveled through the desert for 40 years, have 14 years, 7 years of conquest in the land, 7 years of dividing the land, and then they live under Joshua. And then we have the period of the judges. And the, the, the period of judges is, is, a, is, a, is a few hundred years. We have different judges over that time. The judge at this time period is a judge. His name is Ivsan. He's from Judah. And he is also identified as Boaz. He's the same person. Ivsan is also Boaz. Now we know when the, when the story opens, it says... There was a famine in the land. We're told that altogether there were nine famines, great famines in the, the land of Israel. These nine famines, there will be a tenth, and that's when the Messiah comes. But th- these nine famines are the time of Adam, the time of Lemach, the time of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, this period now. Another one comes in the time of David, Elijah, and then Elisha. Those are the, the nine that will be all together. So we see that, we see Vayelech Ish, a certain person goes, Mi Betlechem Yehuda. It's interesting, we, the name of the place is Bethlehem, right? But if you translate it, it's Betlechem, the house of bread, maybe the house of sustenance. Mi Betlechem Yehuda, from Betlechem of Yehuda, Lagur, to dwell. Bisnei Moab, in the fields of Moab. So the rabbis tell us that he went to live in one of the cities of Moab. Who? Him. We don't have a name yet. Ve'ishto, his wife. Ushnei Banav, and his two children. Now the next verse, we're going to learn who he is. So in the beginning, he's not identified. Ve'shem ha'ish Elimelech, and the name of the man is Elimelech. Veshem Ishto, and the name of his wife is Naomi. Naomi. Veshem Shenebanav, he has two children. Their names are Machlon, Vechilion, Ephratim, Ibetlechem. So the question is, what does it mean, Ephratim, if they're from Yehuda? Maybe their mother was from Ephrat. So they're, they're, and they come to the Sede Moab and they dwell there. So now, what happens is, you have this guy. And he's, his name is Elimelech. It's a strange name for a person. And we can look at it and say, instead of Elimelech, Alai Melech, upon me is the king or the kingdom. So the guy could have, he could have been the king. He looked at himself as the forefather of the king. Interesting. 
He's the most powerful person in the country. He's the wealthiest person in the country. And a famine hits, and what does he do? He picks up and he moves. And where does he move? He moves to Moab, which is also strange. Because we know, it says that we're not allowed to marry into Moab even ten generations. Why? Because when we left Egypt and we were marching through the desert, we asked them as our cousins, because Moab is in fact the child of Lot, Lot the nephew of Abraham, we asked them for food and water, bread and water, to be able to even to buy bread and water. They refused to allow us. One of the Drashim says they gave us salty fish. Why salty fish? To make it even worse, to make us even more thirsty without water. And so they, were, they had a lack of hospitality. When Abraham took their, nef- their, their forefather, who was Lot, and when his father died, Abraham took Lot almost as a son. And so they don't show a return in this hospitality, so therefore we're not allowed to marry anyone from Moab. The place of Moab seems to be the place of no hospitality. So what he does is he runs away from helping during the famine to go where? To a place that seems to be like him. And the next verse tells us what happens when he gets to, to, uh, to Moab. We don't know when. It says, Vayamot Elimelech Ish Naomi. Elimelech dies, Ish Naomi. He is the husband of Naomi. Now, we know he's the husband of Naomi. We just heard that, that there was a guy, Elimelech, and his wife is Naomi. Why does the, the prophet decide to repeat this Ish Naomi? One of the things we're told is when a, when a man dies, no one feels it as much as his widow, as his wife. And Naomi feels it more than anybody once she loses her husband. The, uh, the Vilna Gaon, I, I, there's a story, the Vilna Gaon told his mother when his mother was on her deathbed, he said, when you get to heaven, don't say anything. They're going to ask you why you didn't do this and why didn't you do this and what did you do? He said, just don't say anything. Just say one thing. I'm a widow. He says, because you've been a widow so many years, whatever is, you've paid the price. So the, this pasuk, the, the rabbis tell us, is to show us how difficult it is when a, when a woman loses her husband. And that's why he says, that's why he says, Ishna on me. So now what happens is, why does he die? So there are a number of opinions why he died. One opinion is because he picked up and he left. And he could have helped the people. And therefore, he's punished. The problem with that is, and they say that when he left, because he was the wealthiest man and he was the leader, he caused tremendous depression among the people he left behind. Because while he was there, even if there was no food or very little food, the people could have said, at least we have someone among us who could help us, who could take care a little bit. Even if it's very little, at least he gives them strength. What does he do? He leaves, and they feel that they've been abandoned. The leaders are gone. They're leaving them to, to die. And it says he dies. Uh, the, one, of the, one of the other opinions is that, you know what? He, he, he died, but... Uh, Maybe he was justified, he was trying to be justified in leaving. 
Why was he leaving? So one of the things is he could have had this, uh, you know, like a Calvinism attitude, right? That what is, what is that? That means, you know, God punished the poor. If I help the poor, then I'm messing up with God's plan. So he's saying, you know what? I don't want to mess up God's plan. Another opinion is that he said, Alai Melech, I'm supposed to be the king. He saw himself as being the Messiah, or at least the father of the Messiah. How do I become the father of the Messiah? So we know that there were ten nations that constituted Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. The ten nations, of the ten nations, there were only seven that we were permitted to conquer. The remaining three wait until the time of the Messiah. What are the remaining three? The remaining three are Esav, Har Seir, Ammon, and Moab. So Ammon and Moab are both the children of Lot, and, and Seir, Esav, is the son of Isaac, Yitzchak. Those three, we weren't going to be able to conquer until the Messiah comes. So possibly what he thought, and you could see it in the next verse. It says what happens is he dies, and as soon as he dies, the next thing it tells us is, is that the, the woman was left with her two children from her husband. I mean, we know that. We, again, why do we need to know the math? And, and what happens is that... Sorry, so it, what happens is he, the two children, says, So his two sons marry Moabite women. The name of the first was Orpah, the name of the second was Ruth. And they lived there about 10 years. The question everyone asks is why does it say about 10 years? Either it was 10 years or it wasn't 10 years. It says, they married these women, and the, the Midrash tells us who were, who was Orpah and who was Ruth. They were the daughters of Eglon. Eglon was the king of Moab. So they married the king's daughters. So one of the, one of the opinions that judges Elimelech for the, to his benefit is this. His thinking was, I'm supposed to be the father of Messiah, which in fact he is. Because in the end, somewhat King David comes from him, really through his, his nephew. But King David's going to come from him. And really it's, it's a Gilgul of his son, I'll explain in a minute. But he's going to come through me. But in order for the Messiah to come, we need to take over those territories. Now, how do you take over territory? There are two ways. You could go to war and conquer a territory. Or you could become the son-in-law of the king and eventually you take over the kingdom. So his thinking could have been, look, I'm Eli Melech. I'm an important guy. I moved to Moab. The king is going to be so impressed with us, our family, that his two daughters he's going to marry to my two sons. We're going to influence the whole country. We're going to change their way of thinking. We're going to bring them in, and then Ammon in, and then Seir in, and that way the Mashiach could come. Furthermore, we have, the rabbis tell us, that King David, the soul of King David, is hiding in Sidom. 
in Sodom. The soul of David is hiding in Sodom. What does it mean the soul of David is hiding in Sodom? It was hiding in Lot. It was hiding in Lot's daughters. And it was hiding in Moab. So if I wanted to retrieve this soul, this spark, where did I have to go get it? From the remnants of Sodom. What's the remnants of Sodom? Moab. So that's to try to justify his actions. He's doing it because he thinks this is what should be. Now, obviously he was wrong. And we see he was wrong because what happens to him? He dies. And that's not the plan. So his two... Well, he wasn't completely wrong. Because uh, he, he was right, because you see, yeah. you see in the end that this was part of the plan, and in essence, he his actions allow the plan to come to fruition, because Ruth had to come in, and if Ruth didn't come in, we have a problem. So now, now his two sons marry these two women. The question now, the the question that everyone asks is, did Ruth and Orpah convert? Okay, did they convert while they were still in Moab? So one opinion is, yes, they converted. Of course they converted. The other opinion is, no, they couldn't have converted. Now on the side that says they couldn't have converted, it seems very simple. In order to convert, you have to have some sort of a betin, it seems. A court. There was no court. Or was there a court? And that court was made up of Elimelech and his two sons. But the way the verses are... The way the verses are, he died before they got married. So we're not sure. Now we have another problem. When Ruth is coming back, right? So we'll get to that in a second and we'll discuss that problem, where the, that problem comes. So now what happens is the two of them marry these two women uh, and then and they also die. The Midrash says first they lost all their money. They invested uh, poorly in the, in the Moabite stock market. <laughs> then, they, so then they lost their animals. It's as if God was hinting to them, guys, you, you messed up. You went to the way you shouldn't be. And then they, passed, they die themselves. And again, it says, Naomi is left only her with the two daughter-in-laws. Again, what do we have this Naomi is left with her and the two daughter-in-laws? So Rambam, Maimonides, says that a person in the time of famine, we know that when Abraham, God tells Abraham, Lech Lecha, go to the land. Abraham leaves his house, comes into the land. What's the next thing we find? A famine. And what does Abraham do when he has the famine? He picks up and he goes to Egypt. So... Are you allowed to leave the land or not? In the time of famine, you're allowed to leave the land. So why are they killed for leaving the land? You're permitted in a time of, in a time of uh, famine. Because famine is pikuach nefesh. Hmm? Famine is pikuach nefesh. Pikuach nefesh, right. You have to save your life. To save your life, you're allowed to go. Make, make... So Elimelech had money, had food, had everything. So, but at the time when Abraham leaves, did he have? Everyone was wealthy too. Nah, but remember that by the time he finally leaves, he had to borrow money and then he pays it back when he, when he returns. So that, that could be that he had, but when he, the time he left, he, he went with a lot of money and he could have survived, he could have stayed and that's why he's punished. But it seems he's, he's punished to the breath of a hair, like the rabbis say. 
But maybe he wasn't punished for leaving. Maybe he was punished for something else. For what? For allowing his sons to marry the Moabite women? Or so, but I, I, think that, I think that that's, that's probably the biggest. I agree. That I think is his biggest problem. Is that he caused a depression among the people by being the leader. And the leader, basically what he did was, you know, he's on the Titanic. Right? And the Titanic is sinking. And he's the captain of the ship. And he says, first boat is for me. Okay? So the captain's supposed to go down with the ship. But he's not going to be the last guy on the, on the boat. He's the first guy on the boat. He's the first guy to abandon the people. Yeah? So, so one of the... Uh, so so the, the, the question is that there's a time that a person is supposed to go into exile. There's a time that a person has to leave the land. The interesting thing is when we go into exile eventually... The reality is we're not allowed to return to the land. And that was what the majority of the rabbis felt in 1948. The majority of Orthodox rabbis, led by the Satmar Rebbe, who still said it today. And his thinking was, in Teoreru, we say that, that this is the deal. You can't return until the Messiah comes. And that's why they were against, many of them were against, returning that's America and Europe, Ashkenazi. Yeah. All of us left everything again. And went. And went because oh, really, because what, who, because of the Rambam. Yeah. Rambam, Maimonides says, no, you have to live there regardless. He said, and when Rambam, when Maimonides went to live in Israel and he couldn't stay because there was nothing there to support him and he had to go to Egypt, every letter he wrote he signed, he was the one who sinned because he was living in Egypt against the law and he should have been living in the Holy Land. So on that side, the, the, the opinion of Rambam was that you should live in the Holy Land. We see Ramban also living in the Holy Land. So there were many people who felt you had to live in the Holy Land, but there was a reason for exile. And what was the reason for exile? The reason for exile, which the rabbis say, is to collect the sparks that are outside the Holy Land. The sparks that are all over the world. The souls that are all over the world that we have to meet and come in contact with so that those souls have the ability to come and join us. So he says, he says that... That's why the Lubavitcher Rebbe never went to Israel for that reason. Yeah, he, was, uh, he said his job was to be outside. So he says, so the, the, Rambam, the Rambam says that, that, that there's such a level, there's such a level of Midar Hasidut that they should never have left. They were that Machlon and Chilion, and the Ramban. The Ramban also says that Machlon and Chilion, the two sons of Bo, of Elimelech, Elimelech were on such a high spiritual level that they should never have left the land, because their act of leaving the land caused such damage within the land, and a, and a righteous person is judged to a hairbreadth, meaning that the righteous person does the slightest sin. And because he's such a righteous person, his punishment is boom, terrible, and he's gone. And therefore they would die. It says they, had, they should have had extra devotion. They're judged much more harshly, even though you would be permitted to leave in a famine. They, being righteous people, were not permitted. And it's interesting because Ramban, Nachmanides, says about Abraham that the reason why Abraham's descendants ended up in Egypt was because... Abraham went, left the Holy Land to go to Egypt. So he judges Abraham harshly for leaving during the time of the famine. 
So now we have we have this this possibility that he, that they went in order to bring it back. But we look we look further and we say that the Mashiach really the Mashiach is found in Sodom. The Messiah is found in Sodom. David Hamelch is found in Sodom. In order to bring King David, we had to bring Ruth, because Ruth is holding the spark of King David. The Arizal says, who was Ruth? Says that Ruth is a Gilgul. Ruth is a reincarnation first of Tamar, but before Tamar, who was Ruth? Ruth was the daughter of Lot. Which daughter? So Lot has, as far as we know, there were five daughters. Two of them were married. Two of the daughters, there were two married daughters. Two of the daughters were not married, and they were the ones who escaped. And there was a fifth daughter. The fifth daughter was the one whose cry God heard when he decided to destroy Sodom. What happened? There was a beggar who came to town, who came to Sodom. And Sodom had a rule. No beggars. No charity. We want to make sure there's no panhandling on the streets. We want to have a clean and, and, uh, and a justice. We, we want to have a clean place. We don't want to have people messing us up. So there was a rule. No panhandling in Sodom. Anyone who would be a panhandle, you weren't allowed to give him. And if you gave him anything, you were subject to death. Why? We don't want to encourage so you have a guy comes to Sodom, he comes to the well, he's looking to get food, and no one's going to bring him food. She sees him and says, I'm going to bring you food. She goes back home, and inside her jug, which she's going to fill up with water, she hides food. She gives him the food, the police of Sodom catch her, the punishment is death, they put her on the top of the, of the roof of the tower. They cover her body in honey. And the wasps kill her. She screams as she dies. And it says, God says to Abraham, I heard the scream of Sodom. Whose scream did he hear? This girl. This girl comes back again as Ruth. She comes back as Ruth to fix now, one of, the, one of the criticisms on this girl is this. She's living in Sodom. She sees how terrible it is. She should have run away from home and gone to live with Abraham. Now, was this... Where, where, where was her father at this time? They, they were all Who's living father? in Sodom at this time. Lot is living in Sodom. Okay. Yeah, that's why he's afraid when he's bringing the people home. We don't want anyone to see. Because he'll be subject to death. So this so, is the daughter they were trying to rape. This was the daughter. No, they didn't try to rape. This was the daughter who gave charity. Oh, right. Because she gave charity, they killed her. So, so the criticism on her that the Arizal brings is you see you're living in Sodom. Get up out of Sodom and go Abraham. to live with Abraham. Leave Sodom and live with Abraham. And you see the tikkun, the fixing is through who? Through Ruth. And also through Tamar. Because when Tamar is rejected by Judah and says, you know, you should wait for the... Th- she's supposed to wait for the third son. What's the third son's name? Shelah. Shelah means for her. Shelah. Think about it. Shelah, for her. Meaning the third son should have been for who? Tamar. But Judah thought she was a black widow. His first son was heir. 
Air, if we reverse the letters of air, what is it? Ra, evil. He didn't want her to get pregnant because she was beautiful. And if she gets pregnant, it's going to take away from her beauty. He has a second son, his name is Onan. Onan didn't want her to get pregnant. And that's why we have Onanism, is from him. So he wouldn't have relations with her in a way that she could get pregnant. Why? Because he didn't want to bring a soul for his brother into this world. What, what, what the understanding is, is what, that when a man is with a woman, even if she's not impregnated by that man, a part of his soul is left behind. Now during the time of the Maccabees, what was it that really got the Maccabees riled up that they were willing to go and risk their lives even though they were a small number against the, 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 the Greeks at the time? What, what was it that was so terrible? The most terrible thing that the Greeks did was they had a rule that the king or the, the general or whoever was the, the leader in the, each town had the right to sleep with the bride on the day before her wedding. And that was the law. If the bride wanted to get married, the night before the wedding, she slept with the nobleman. And this was throughout the ages, we had things like this. Why did they, why did they want to do this? In the Greek thinking was, if the Greek is with her, he's putting a piece into her, whether or not she gets pregnant. And that peace within her will affect whatever children she'll have later on. No. That's the whole idea of it. So now, even though, even though Er, is, er was his, her first husband, he had relations with her, but he didn't leave a seed in her because he didn't want her to become pregnant. Even though he didn't, there was still something of him in there, which would have come out had his brother impregnated her, but his brother refused. Yehuda refused to give him, give her Shelah. Yehuda eventually sleeps with her and she has twins. And the soul of the twins is whose souls? Er and Onan. Come back as her children. So, so we, we see through here. So now, now what's, what's happening is similar to, to now, the similar things happening with regard to, uh, to Ruth. So, so, uh, so what's happening in, with regard to Ruth is this. Okay. Okay. Yes, no problem. So the similar thing happens with Ruth. What happens is they go to Moab. One of the reasons we have to go to Moab, we said, was because we have to retrieve the soul of King David. Where is the soul of King David? So the soul of King David had to be hidden. Why do we hide the soul of King David? And what does it mean the soul of King David was hidden? So you have, the, the, so to say, the dark side. The dark side is trying to prevent the, trying to prevent the, 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 the birth of King David. If we prevent the birth of King David, then we, no we win. There's no Messiah. We win the game. So what do we do? We entice people to do the wrong things. And we hope through doing the wrong things, we're testing people. Remember, the, 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 even though the dark side is, is negative, the dark side has a job to test people so they should overcome. But in order to... Now, what, what's going to happen now? The dark side is going to prevent the Kedushah from coming out because the Kedushah is going to fight it. So what do we do? 
We need to bring this soul of King David into the world. So we have to hide it. So where do we hide it first? In Sodom. Where? In Lot. What happens is first the daughter of Lot dies, so the soul, that spark of a soul goes into the other sisters. And we need to get it out. Now, how do we get it out? We get it out by having a man's daughter sleep with their father. Now, if you're, if you're, the, if you're so to say, Satan, right? Satan, right? If you're, if you're Satan, and you see a daughter going to sleep with the father, what are you going to say? Woo-hoo-hoo, I did good. You're not going to prevent it. But through that act, we have the soul of King David. At the same time, a few years later, we have Judah walking down the road, not willing to give his daughter-in-law to his third son. And she comes out dressed as whatever it says, a harlot, or we can, we can say it's a bride, or whatever we're going to say. It's a supermodel. And whatever it is, she is so attra- he is so attracted to her that he sleeps with her. Satan says, Woo, I got the father-in-law sleeping with his daughter-in-law. He doesn't even know it. He thinks he's sleeping with a prostitute and he's paying her. Let it be. So he lets it be. Now I have Elimelech and his two sons go to Moab. So what do I say? Let them go to Moab. Let them sleep with whoever they want to sleep with. That's good for me. But meanwhile, Hashem is doing all of these things in order to bring the soul of King David out from the many coverings it's under. But so. Ah, so the interesting. So, so let's just just let's go from there. There's there's a story. There's a story. Uh, I don't remember. Is it maybe the 17th century? There was a, a rabbi giving a class. Oh, was maybe the Ari? I don't remember. Could maybe it was 16th century. There's a story of a rabbi giving a class. It could have been in Sifat. I don't remember exactly. I could look up. He's giving a class on parshat on that parshat. On, on any, and, and he's talking about the terrible sin of the daughters of Lot. Not only is it such a terrible sin, he says, look how far they went that they named their child Moab, meaning Me'av, from my father, and Amon, from my people. How terrible could they be? Not only did they do a sin, but they weren't embarrassed from the sin to do that. It says that he, he goes to sleep that night and he has a dream and the daughters of Lot come to him in the dream. And they say to him in the dream, prepare yourself because you're coming to join us tomorrow. He said, what I do? He says, you should know that we truly believed that we were the last people on earth. And we thought that if we don't do this, it's the end of mankind. And not only did we try not try to hide the fact, is we didn't want to, we could have said to someone, you know why we got pregnant? An angel came and impregnated us. Sounds familiar. But we didn't want to say that. And therefore, we wanted the truth to be known. Now the Ari says, I saw somewhere that he brings that Me'av, that he, they're taking the soul from Lot which hidden in the soul of Lot was the soul of Mashiach, and that's why it's called Moab, 
because in essence it's really the soul of from her father that was brought out. There was a tremendous potential in Lot because you see that Lot could have given away Abraham when he was in Egypt and said to the king of Egypt, hey, he's the husband, I'm the brother, kill him, give me the money, marry my sister. Sarah's brother was Lot. Abraham said it's his sister. When the king saw it was his sister, he said, let me get the brothers a lot of money so that they look like they come from a, an important family. If the king knew it was the husband, he would have killed Abraham. So what, Lot could, have, what could have Lot done? Said, you know what? He's the husband. Give me all the money. But he kept his mouth shut. And therefore he was rewarded that he had those lands, etc., etc. But his potential was huge. So now let's go, because I think I'm running too slow. Let's go a little bit of the story, and we'll try to get to what the, what the point is, I think, of the whole, the whole, uh, the whole uh, story. So in the, it says that, 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 uh, that Naomi learns that the famine was over in, in Eretz Israel, and the rabbis tell us that Boaz, Boaz, who's the nephew of Elimelech, who's the cousin of Naomi, who's the... So remember, Naomi is married to Elimelech. Naomi is actually Elimelech's niece. Boaz is Elimelech's nephew. So Naomi and, Elimelech and Boaz are first cousins. And he's also her niece. Right? Because she's married to his uncle. She's his cousin married to his uncle. Boom. Sounds so like, Sounds like a serum Yeah. <laughs> right. So Boaz, Boaz is called Hasid. Whatever that means. Hasid. He has payas and astrimal and white socks and he lives in uh, Williamsburg. In the end it says he prays and the famine ends. So she comes back to Bethlehem. She goes home, they're going home. Now the question is, she tells her two daughter-in-laws, okay, thank you for being so nice to me. Your father's the king of Moab. Go back to your father, have a good life. Find a good husband, marry him. She says, says so marry, uh, go, go, don't stay with me. Four times she presses them. Orpah goes back home. Ruth clings to her and decides to come with her. Now, the question is, if they were already converted, how could she tell Orpah to go home? If she already converted, she can't tell her to go home. Once she's converted, she's converted. You didn't convert and then you're not converted. I don't understand. You had it in... Uh, Vivian's class, she, my wife was trying to explain something, but I, I got to listen to her. Well, that, that was a she They did not convert. She, so they did not convert. The time that Ruth really converts is only at the very end when the Bedin converts her that, that Boaz goes in front of the Bedin to ask permission to be the Goel, to be the Redeemer. He redeems her. But what's that? Was that Khalid? Was that? Uh... So, so the, 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 so the question, so that's what happens now. So now, sorry, so you're bringing that up. So let's, we're going to get to that now in a second. So now what happens is she's going to come home. So she's going to come home and uh, they're, going to come, they're going to come back to the Holy Land. And uh, the, the question we said was did they convert or not convert? How is she telling her, you know, one of the things Naomi says is listen, you think I'm going to have another son for you to marry? Uh, what are you, crazy? I mean, Naomi's old, already an older woman. It's not even a statement to make. You think I'm going to go marry someone, have a child, and that child's going to marry you? It seems, so it seems Ruth is trying. The only reason Ruth is coming is to bail out or to save the soul of her husband. 
She's coming to save the soul of her husband. And I saw something very strange. It says in chapter 3. Does she understand this or she just intuitively... So look what it says here. It says, Vatomer la Naomi chamota. So her, her mother-in-law Naomi tells her, I must seek security for you that it may go well with you. So she is, she, her mother-in-law is telling her, listen, there's a way for you to get what you want out of this, which is really to redeem the soul of Machlon. So Machlon is two words. Machlon is Machala. Machala is a, a sickness, a plague. But it's also Mechila. Mechila is... Forgiveness. So you see that Mahlon goes from being plague to a level of forgiveness. And his soul will be brought out. You see that when Ruth eventually gives birth to Ovid, Ovid is the name of Evid, the servant of God. When she gives birth to Ovid, it doesn't say that Ruth had a baby. It says Naomi had a baby. What do you mean Naomi had a baby? Ruth had the baby. The verse says, is it just a misprint? says, no, because Naomi's child, Mahlon, was reborn through Ruth. So Naomi is the one who has a baby. One of the questions we ask is we see that Ruth, when her mother-in-law tells her here, go out to the, the threshing field in the middle of the night. I'm going to fix you up, right? So, you, you know, matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match, right? So this is, we're going to make you a match. We're going to tell you to go, you know, you go on the date, you know, the, the Jewish religion, you know, the religious date, you go to the, they go to the hotel. Hyatt Hotel, and they have the Coca-Cola. So you're going to go to the Hyatt Hotel at 7 o'clock, you're going to meet the guy. What does she tell her? No, 12 o'clock midnight, go out to the field, take a beautiful dress, put it on after you get to the field, put on your makeup, do your hairdo, and then go lie down next to him, find out where he's sleeping, what his place is. It says makom. What do you mean makom? It's an extra word because by her being there, she will eventually bring the makom, which is the Bet HaMikdash. says, go find where he's sleeping and take off his shoes. What do you mean take off his shoes? Lie down next to him and remove his shoes. What do you mean lie down next to him and remove his shoes? What are you, crazy? I should go in the middle of the night, lie down next to the guy in the middle of the field? What do you want me to do? I'm not a harlot. What do you want me to do? It's kind of kinky. Remove his shoes. Why? Because we say... So we have the ceremony of Chalitza. We know that when a husband, when a man marries a woman and the man dies with no children, the brother is required to marry this woman in order to redeem the soul of that man who passed away. If he doesn't, we have a ceremony of Chalitza where she removes the shoe, spits in the shoe, and hands in the shoe. What's the idea of removing the shoe, spitting in the shoe? So the shoe is the vehicle for the body. The body is a vehicle for the soul. By removing the shoe, she's hinting that you are the vehicle for the soul of my husband, Machlon. And you have the responsibility to redeem that soul by being with me. We said, what is the challenge to Boaz? Boaz is laying down next to her in the middle of the field in the middle of the night. Any guy laying next to a woman in the middle of the night Okay, so we say that Boaz and her will eventually bring King David. King David is the tikkun, is the repair of Adam HaRishon, Adam. What was the sin of Adam? That Adam and Eve were created on Friday. They should have waited till Friday night for the wedding. 
Instead of waiting for the wedding, they jump the gun and lack self-control. The whole idea of eating from the tree is showing the lack of self-control. Boaz is lying down next to Ruth. Boaz and Ruth will bring King David. The only way they could bring King David is if they fix Adam's sin. How do they fix Adam's sin? Being next to each other for the night and not touching. They say that he, his strength in not touching her, laying next to her the night, was incredible strength. That he had to. So this is, Satan is bringing them to say, oh, let them sin. No, but they hold off on sinning. They wait until the next day. The next day he marries her legally. The next night they're together. She becomes pregnant. And the next day he dies. Finishes his job. Now, Rabbi, if she hadn't converted, then she wouldn't need to do Yibum. She wouldn't need to do Yibum. So, so it seems now, right. so it seems at the end of the story, so we have basically before, so, so Boaz says to her, listen, I can't marry you because there's someone ahead of me to marry you. His name is Tov. We call him Polonia, John Doe. We don't even say his name because he screwed up. He could have been the father of the Messiah and he says, I don't want to touch her because she's a Moabite and we can't touch a Moabite. So Boaz brings her to the court. She's legally converted. The court rules. You can't marry a Moab, a Moab man, but you can marry a Moabite woman. He marries her. Before he marries her, she has to, the other guy rejects her. He marries her. And then they redeem the, 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 that. But was that a conversion or was that a yibum? So the conversion had to be by the Bedin, and then the yibum is done, and then the marriage is done. But if... Remember, he takes it to the, to the, to the gates of the city. Right. The gates of the city is where the court meets. Right. And it seems to me, even though I'm going to say Ramban and the Arizal are the opinion that she was converted already in Moab. Yes. But otherwise, she, she wouldn't need... Uh, uh, to, to do Yibum. They say she was converted in Moab. Exactly. That's the opinion of the Ari and Ramban. They say that she was converted already in Moab. That the court was the three of them and they converted her. Right. Now, so, so now what happens is the... Oh, so one of the other things the rabbi asked the question, and this is really was his question. He says that when Ruth comes to town... She has no, they have no money. They're paupers. And we have a number of laws in order to help people who have no money. We have that they can go to the field and if the farmer drops anything, they could collect that. The farmer has to leave a corner of his field for them to collect from. So Boaz comes and he sees this woman, Ruth. And he sees that she's collecting the wheat in such a way that she's doing it very modestly. She's not bending down like that. She's... she's uh, Crouching in a way so that she's doing it with with sniut, uh, with uh, uh, a modest way, so not to. So he says, "Who's that girl?" So they say, "Ah, you know who she is. She's the girl who came back to take care of Naomi from Moab." So he comes to her and he says, "Wow, you are amazing. I heard how nice you are to Naomi. Who's Naomi to him? We just said she's his aunt, and she's for sure his cousin." Now, if you knew your aunt, who was married to Elimelech, who was the richest guy, and they went to live in Moab, and now she comes back and she ain't got nothing, right? What are you going to say? Auntie, 
Come in my house. I have an extra guest room. Stay in the guest room. Bring your daughter-in-law, whatever you want. I'll take care. Don't worry. Or at least what you're going to do is you're going to say, you know, we have Tom Chay Shabbos. You know, we prepare the, the boxes to give out to the people on, on Thursdays. We're going to prepare a food package and send it to you. No, what does he do? He tells Ruth, you know what? You could collect all you want. It's like saying to someone here, I'm going to take some dollars. I'm going to throw them around the field. Pick them up. Don't worry. Nobody's going to bother you. What is going on? How is he the guy of chesed and doing that? It doesn't make sense. If he's the guy of kindness, he should be taking care of his aunt. What's he doing? And we see later on that he's the guy of kindness. In fact, the whole story of, of Ruth is a book of chesed. Why do we read Ruth on Shavuot? Because it reminds us of the Torah. The Torah begins with chesed, meaning God making man. And the Torah ends with chesed, with God burying Moses. So the whole Torah is God's kindness. This book of Ruth is showing kindness. Who has the kindness? Ruth. She's unbelievable. But it says, Boaz is a chassid. Boaz is ish chesed. So if I translate chassid, what do we translate chassid? So in the book of Pirkei Avot, it says, who is a person that's a chassid? It says, he who gives charity and wants other people to give charity. Not only does he give, he encourages other people to give. He's called a chassid. He's going beyond the letter of the law. He's not just getting other people to give. He's giving and getting other people to give. Goes further and says, who is a chassid in another place? It says, someone who says, sheli, shelcha, shelcha, shelcha. What is mine is yours. What's yours is yours. That guy who goes so far is called a chassid. Trying to teach us what does chassid mean? Going beyond the letter of the law, a person who is endowed with chesed, with kindness. Boaz, we said, is Ivsan. Who is Ivsan? So the problem is, we see the only story we have of Ivsan is it says Ivsan had 30 sons and 30 daughters. And what happened during Ivsan's life? All of his 60 children died. Why did they die? Because he made a wedding for each child by his house and by the in-law's house. He made 120 weddings, some say 180, by their house also. And in all of these parties, he did not invite the parents of Shimshon, the parents of Samson. The parents of Samson, the father's name was Manoach, the mother's name was Slopanit. He didn't invite them to any of the weddings. They said, why didn't you invite them? He says, you know what, they have no kids. They can't reciprocate. So I'm not going to invite them. Now on his side, he may have been thinking, you know what, I don't want them to come to my wedding and think they don't have kids and be depressed. But on the other side, it looks like they didn't, he didn't invite them because they can't reciprocate. And therefore it says all of his children died in his lifetime. What does, what does Naomi tell Ruth when she's sending her to go marry Boaz? She says to him, Batomir la Naomi chamota. My, her, her mother-in-law Naomi said, BT, my daughter, Halo avakesh lach manoach, won't I, won't I, uh, I seek for you, manoach? Manoach means rest. But it's not the right word to use here. But manoach is also the name of the father of? Samson. She says, don't worry. When you marry Boaz, I'm going to make sure that who's going to come to the wedding? Manoach. And therefore, you're not going to die like all of the other people 
that he did the weddings for. It says that's one of the reasons it says Manoach. Now what happens is you also see Boaz's changes. Boaz, in the beginning, he's this, he didn't invite to his wedding. Then you see, in the middle, he's not so nice, even if his aunt not taking care of her. In the end, he's willing to risk everything to marry Ruth, meaning he doesn't know if it's kosher or not. Maybe his generations, and we even see later on with King David, he thinks maybe, his father thinks maybe they screwed up, maybe they made a mistake, maybe a woman from Moab is not acceptable. And therefore, he risks everything to be with Ruth and to give Ruth whatever he could give Ruth. So he says the whole idea is that, is that you have this idea of chesed. It's a book of chesed. So you see why the, the beginning of the book says what? This is what we started with this morning. It says it was the time of the judging, the judging of the judges. And there was a famine in the land. What do you mean it was the judging of the judges? The rabbis tell us one of the reasons the temple was destroyed is because the judges judged too harshly. A judge has to judge with mercy. The reason why there was a famine is because the judges were judging to the letter of the law and not with mercy. It says if you want to live in a certain way, you have to know you have to be filled with mercy. Goes further and says, look at, look at Elimelech. Why does Elimelech die? Because Elimelech left the place of kindness, which is the land didn't do kindness, which he should have done. Brought depression to the people because he left. And where did he go to live? In Moab. The place of? No kindness. So the book of, the book of Ruth, if you go from the beginning to the end, you see it begins with being stingy, being judge, judging to the end of the law, being all of those things. And the end of it, it comes to the point of being complete chesed and kindness. The whole idea of Ruth is to teach us that the only way we could survive is through kindness, through chesed. That's the reason, and that's why, that's why you see Elimelech die. That's why Elimelech himself doesn't, doesn't bring about this, this change. He doesn't bring the Messiah because it can't be through him. Boaz, you see his transformation from realizing what's going on until finally you get to the end with Boaz, and in the end of Boaz, he's willing to risk everything, and he marries that, and then he leaves the world. He leaves the world and you see he leaves behind him the next three generations and you have David HaMelech. The rabbis tell us that when David HaMelech sat on his throne, you see that, that, uh, that together with him on his throne, I think it, it says that Naomi had a, had a, had a throne in his, uh, in his palace. See, see the, the, this is the, the whole idea that the Arizal is bringing. The whole idea of the book of Ruth is to teach us chesed. The only way we're going to go on Shavuot to receive the Torah is if we're a people of kindness. A people of kindness. So you have to go beyond, push yourself to go beyond. Right? So, you know, like I'm pushed, like the, the lady bothers me, so I say, I really don't want to. In the end, you have to. Even if you're bothered, I have to still. <laughs> Especially now, because you're going into Shavuot, which is the, which is the test of kindness. So you do what you can to, to overcome the, the, the side that tells you not to be kind. So that, that's really the, the crux of the, of the whole story of, of Ruth, is really this overcoming, this, this not to be kind, not to be Elimelech, not to be the one who runs away from doing it, not to be the one who's stingy. Even if I could justify and say, no, I'm doing it to bring the Mashiach, I'm doing it for this, I'm doing it for that. You have to have the, do the right thing regardless of, uh, of the intent. I also-